Sing and be happy. It's a beautiful song. Guys. It's one of my one of my favorite songs to sing uh, because uh, that's that's all we should be doing each and every day is, is praising God and and being just truly blessed with the things He He has given us. Um, you know, we the scripture tells us that godliness, contentment with godliness is great gain. Um, not to say that we're, you know, that uh, through those that we'll gain more wealth or riches or anything along those lines, but it is a gain to us to be able to put those things into perspective. Um, God has given us exactly what we need today to do whatever it is that he's commanded for us to do or created for us to do. Um, if, for whatever reason, you needed more money to do what God intends for you to do, he'll give you that more money. Amen. Um, and that's where the contentment really comes into play. And that's the reason why we can sing and be happy today, is that God has given us exactly what we need to get through Sunday, November 18th. Amen. Um, and no more, and certainly no less. Have you ever wondered about God? And um, that's what we're going to talk about here. Maybe not wondered about God, but, but just wondered where he is. I mean, is, where is God right now? Um, we know that he is in the midst because the scripture tells us that um, where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. But where in the midst? And we, we've kind of talked about this before. And, and for those of you who, have, or who are more mature in the faith, who have been reading the scripture for many years, it's going to seem like a basic lesson. But I think it'd be interesting for the kiddos to... Just kind of, for, just kind of go through and look at God and who He is, where He exists um, today. <clears throat> so we're going to start off by looking at uh, the burning bush, and that's the title of my lesson: is the burning bush. And uh, when I was a little, when I was a little guy um, coming up, my first account of the burning bush was not actually reading in the Scripture; it was reading the uh, Ten Commandments for Charlton Heston. Um, for those of you who remember that, I want to say every Thanksgiving, around about this time of year, um, ABC or whatever it is, uh, Public Broadcasting Network would, would play uh, the movie The Ten Commandments, and I will watch it every time. I probably watch that movie more times than any movie I've ever watched in my life, um, just because it's, it's, it's a great movie. There's not a whole lot of cinema, uh, I mean, um, what, is, what is Thomas called it? Special effects and CGI. Um, but it is an intriguing movie, nonetheless. The actors are high quality. Um, even though the, they took some liberties um, with the scripture, um, <clears throat> anyway, they, um, I just enjoy the movie. I don't know what about it I enjoy, but one of the, the best accounts of the movie is the um, rendition of the burning bush and if you guys and I can remember it like whenever I read about the burning bush my mind goes back to that movie and you can see it's a little low low growing bush right and it's barren right there aren't any leaves on it because it's out there in the brush right and and it's got this kind of aura superimposed on the picture of this kind of rolling rolling 
tumbleweed-looking thing. Um, and the 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 fear on Charlton Heston's voice, or the fear in his voice, but the fear in his face, the regard that he had for this moment, um, put a lasting impression on me. And I thought, wow, I'm amazed at the majestic. Um, it, it, let me let me try to put it into words. And I was sitting down thinking about how I could put it into words, but. Here's how I think about this. Moses was having a conversation with God, and God manifested himself in the form of a burning bush. But God is the Almighty. You know, when, when I thought about God, when I was a little guy, I thought, how could God, being as big and infinite as he is, shrink himself down into the size of a burning bush. You know, as I got older and I, I studied uh, science and, and all these different things, I, I came to understand the truth of the matter is that God is the smallest of everything. And He is the largest of everything. Amen. I mean, if you were to, and I'm, not, I'm going to get a little nerdy here before we get into the scripture, but if you were to get down to the basics, right? You know, I am made up of cells. My cells are made up of smaller organelles. Those organelles are made out of small atoms. Those atoms are made, or uh, excuse me, molecules and molecules are made out of elements. Those elements are made out of small particles. Uh, protons, neutrons, electrons. Those protons, neutrons, electrons are made out of smaller subatomic particles. Quarks. Uh, quarks are made out of neutrinos. Neutrinos are made out of... don't know. But you get down... everything is made out of something. Everything is made out of something. And everything is made out of something. Do you ever get down to the smallest fundamental elementary particle that makes us who we are. If you were able to at that moment, at that moment, you would see God. Yes. Conversely, Amen. this earth is the part of the solar system. The solar system is part of the, the Milky Way. The Milky Way is a part of the, you know, a larger universe. This universe is a part of a larger multiverse. The multiverse is a part of a, a larger, larger multiverse. And you get bigger and bigger and bigger. Where, where, where do you get? What do you see? Is it possible to get to the biggest to the biggest? If you were to get there, you would see God. God is everywhere, in everything. He is the largest thing that you could ever imagine, and God is the smallest thing you could ever imagine. Amen. If you were to go to either extreme, you would wind up looking at and seeing the exact same thing, which is the face of the Almighty God. How do I know this? Because God created everything. 
And that's where we're going to start this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Genesis. And uh, we will be looking at um, Genesis, the first chapter. Now, Genesis, the first chapter, we've talked about this before. In Genesis, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Interesting to note the, the context it, and I, I know in our Bible study, we, the Solomon said not to take heed unto all words, but he, what he was talking about, the words that men speak. Yes. But yes. we need to take heed unto every word that God speaks. And what he says here is that the heaven and the earth were created by God. So if you were to look at the heaven, I look out into space or out into the sky and I see the heaven. The entire enormity, complexity, the infinitesimally large expanse of the heaven mm -hmm. was created by God. Now if I were to look down at the earth and I see the earth, this, this ball of water and, and, and um, you know, ground and and all the creatures and, and things and, and all the elements that make up the earth. If I were to look inside the earth, the mantle, the core, lava, um, all of those things, the thing that makes the earth, God created it. It says in verse number two that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. <clears throat> Just digging a little bit deep here. So the earth, before God put it together, was what? Is without form. Now scientists will tell you that um, during the during the universe's creation, that there was a big bang, right? And all of the things that create this universe, all the elements and et cetera, et cetera, quarks, neutrinos, subatomic particles, all that things, they were spewed out from this vast explosion of one thing. Where'd that one thing come from? They can't answer that. But what they're saying is, is that, boom, all of this went out in multiple different places, um, because molecules have attached to one another, um, they created these uh, um, uh, gravitational fields. These gravitational fields cause more molecules to come together and form celestial bodies uh, that we know to be the stars, the uh, you know uh, planets, planets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what we see here is that Earth was without form and void. And it says, and the spirit of the God of, of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness and called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning was the first day. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament the ground that we're standing on, and it divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. 
And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together to one place, and let the dry ground appear. And, he, and God called the dry land earth. Do you understand what God just did here? God, there was water floating around in this vast, void, formless expanse called whatever. <laughs> called whatever. Let's just call it whatever. And God said, you know what, I'm going to separate the heavens from the waters. And he separated the heavens from the waters. He took H2O out of the heavens and accumulated it into a sphere. I don't know if I'm rocking your world yet, but I'm rocking my own world just talking about it. God took these subatomic particles and separated the atoms away from one another and collected all of the hydrogen, two hydrogens and an oxygen, and formed it into a ball and separated it from the firmament, which he called the heaven. And then he said, on the third day, I'm going to make dry ground, and I'm going to call that dry ground earth. It says, uh, verse number 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb yielded seed. And the fruit tree yielded fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself, upon the earth, and it was so. Here we go again. God created a plant that can create other plants. Okay. So he took fruits and vegetables, herbs of the ground... And he said that I'm going to create it in such a fashion that there will be small subsets of its exa of exact replica of itself inside of itself. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielded seed after his own kind or his kind, and the trill yielded fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. This is God doing all of this. The smallest minute of details God created and thought of and put it into place. look at the universe. In verse 14 it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Whoa! God took the expanse of the universe, right? He took the stars in the sky, all those celestial bodies, and he arranged them into 
um, different arrangements with consolations mm -hmm. so that mankind would eventually be able to look up and say, because the Big Dipper is on the left and Venus is on the right, it must be summer or winter mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And here's the even the biggest shocker. When Jesus was born, what sign did God put up in the side, up in the sky, to show the elders and the, and the scribes at that time that the men who were hired by uh, by King Herod to look up in the sky? Right. Who put that up there? God did. Even well beforehand, He developed. A, a system of universal, uh, and I don't want to say universal, what I'm talking about is um, he put those constellations up in the sky so that mankind could be able to determine direction, season, days, etc. God created even the smallest of details to the largest of details. He did that in a day, by the way. I want to just talk about that, about who God is. God is magnificent. He is the Almighty. He has created everything. From the smallest of details to the largest of details. I say that to say this. That for you and I, and here's the lesson um, in this lesson is for you and I we may lose sight of this fact as we wake up in the morning you know we make things we, we do things we quote unquote create we come up with ideas um, men file patents on their creations and all these different things but at the end of the day we cannot lose sight of who God is God is Everywhere, He's in the smallest and in the greatest of things. To that extent, I want you to turn over to the book of Psalms. And if I have my marker correct, sorry, you get there. Uh, Psalms chapter. Psalms chapter 33. And this is the reason why, this is the importance of the reason that we, we just need to understand the and acknowledge the magnificence of God. I, I think about it like this. There are scientists that... Um, are trying to look at a cure for cancer. And I think that is a noble pursuit. Um, there are children that are, are born with deformities um, or you know things along those lines. And some people will say, well, those, how can there be a God? If there was a God, why would he allow a child to have those things? If there was a God, why is there cancer? Um, why are all these things? And I will tell you that there are things that mankind does to harm itself. Mm -hmm. 
And, and you can look back at, at diet, you can look back exposure to, to UV radiation, greenhouse gases, you know, processed um, foods, preservatives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what I will tell you is, is at the end of the day, God is always in the mix. God is so magnificent and so powerful and all knowledgeable that even in the worst of situations, the goodness and righteousness of God can be found. We just are not smart enough to see it. So in Psalms chapter 31, so excuse me, Psalms chapter 33, starting at verse number one. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. I'll, refrain, I'll reread that again. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. Colon. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. For the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people with excuse me, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Where does the Lord look? The Lord looketh from heaven. And he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he look upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioned their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. And I'll stop right there. God is magnificent. Amen. We should stand in awe of God every day, just looking at all the things that we see. I mean, just looking at this plastic thing, I know it's fake, but there's some intricacy to that. There's obviously some technology that was involved in creating this lifelike, um, um, uh, what do you call this? Uh, um, and I'm at a loss for words here. This collection of flowers, right? Thank you. We'll go with that. There's some intelligence involved in that. Where did that come from? It came from God. Because God is in everything. He's in the smallest and in the greatest of everything. Even the things that make up your, your brain cells to come up with the technology to make this 
fake collection of, uh, of flowers came from God. How do I know that? The psalmist says that very plainly here. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And we have to acknowledge that. Even sometimes where we see mutations, even when we see cancers, even when we see um, uh, um, uh, children are born with disabilities, there is still goodness and beauty in that because it only happened because of a mechanism and a process that was created by the Almighty God. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Revelations, chapter 21. I just want to look at uh, one, last, one last thing here about who God is. Uh, in Revelations, chapter 21, and verse 26, um, when John has this revelation, um, and he also says this in the first chapter of the book, uh, in the book of Revelation as well, but here it says, um, as he has seen heaven, in verse 2, it says, John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Where is God? Where does God reside? Well, God is everywhere. Um, but the scripture says that his home base, if you will, is heaven. And John, as he sees this New Jerusalem, this new city coming from God out of heaven, um, it says in verse 6 that God said to him, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. How is it that God can be the beginning and the end? Well, God can be the beginning and the end because of the burning bush. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Now, in Exodus chapter 3, I'm just going to give some pretext here um, before we get over to um, uh, verse number 13 and 14. Um, as it says at the beginning of Exodus chapter 3, Moses um, is um, tending to the flock of Jethro. Uh, his father-in-law. Um, he is on the backside of the desert. It says at the latter end of verse number one, when he came to the mountains of God, even to Horeb, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and he behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. This is an example of Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. We see here that God speaking through this burning bush is, he is the bush, but he is also burning the bush. We see in this example of the beginning of a bush and the end of a bush coexisting at the exact same time. And it says here that, that Moses, as, as he is um, listening to the Lord or receiving instruction from the Lord, 
In verse number 13 it says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The Lord of your father said, Sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, which is the premise of this lesson, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, there's, um, if you have a study Bible, um, if you were to look at, uh, you know, um, uh, what do they call those? Um, boy, I'm at a loss for words today. Um, uh, books that delve into, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, the, the, the background and the, and the definition of words and all of these different things. One of the things that you'll find is that the phrase, I am that I am, implies that God is or can be anything that he chooses to be. When he says, I am something, he is that thing. When he says, I am a burning bush, God is a burning bush. When he says that I am the expanse of the universe, he is the universe. When God says, I am the smallest of subatomic particles that mankind can see, he is that subatomic particle. Yes. God is what he says that he is. When he says, I am the first and the last, he is that. When he says, I am the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, he is that. God is so powerful and so magnificent that whatever he determines in his heart to be, he is that. Yes. Now I'm going to blow your mind even more. In the book of John, chapter 6, right? Um, we, we read this every single, more, uh, every single Sunday when we partake of the Lord's body and His shed blood. particular, John chapter 6, uh, verse 56. Uh, Jesus says here, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. You know, Jesus, obviously, uh, being God in the flesh, is saying that if you partake of my body and my shed blood, I will be in you and you will be in me. How is that possible? It is possible because of the example given to us in the burning bush. And more so, the response that God gave to Moses. He said, I am that I am. When God, when Jesus, being God in the flesh, said that this bread and this fruit of the vine is my body and my shed blood, what is he saying? It is my body and my shed blood. I am what I say that I am. If I say that I am that, that I that am I. 
Amen. Amen. So when he says, this is my body, this is my shed blood, the magnificence of God is that he is saying that I am this, this, this unleavened bread and I am this fruit of the vine. So when you do partake it into your body, in every sense of the word, I am dwelling in you. Because these nutrients are being absorbed into your bloodstream. And I am in you and you are in me. That's how magnificent God is. Amen. Because God is the smallest of everything and the largest of everything. Amen. Amen. Let's get to the uh, scripture reading here. So, when we read Ephesians chapter 4. Yes. When Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, <clears throat> he says there is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all. Whoa. See what Paul just said? Paul said that there is one God who is above all. Above all, he is bigger than all things. He is infinitely large. That's how big God is. He's infinite because he is above all. It just, it puts a smile on my face because there's a lot of people who worry about and have questions about what is out there mm -hmm. and the multiple dimensions and all that jazz. I already know the answer to that. I know what's out there. God is out there. My God, the God that I worship today. What's out there? God is out there. I don't need to worry about it. I already know the truth. He's out there. And he goes on to say, and through all and in you all. So what is he talking about? He's saying about through all. He's not talking about just humans. He's talking about this pulpit. He's talking about rocks. Yes. He's talking about sand. He's talking about gas. He's talking about fishes and insects and everything that is on this planet that he created. God is through it all. Amen. So I don't need to worry about, you know, what's the smallest of the smallest of the smallest. I already know the truth. God's the smallest of the smallest of the smallest. He's right in there. You may not be able to see it, but he is in there. Because it says that he is through all and in us all. So where is God? Everywhere. God is everywhere. In everything that you see, you smell, you drink. God is everywhere. God is in the stars. He's in the moon. He's in that black hole. He's in everything. Mm -hmm. 
People want to know, well, what's on the other side of a black hole? I don't know, but I can tell you what is absolutely there. Yes. God's over there, on the other side of there, somewhere. He's there. I don't have to worry about it. Because I know the truth. I know the magnificence of God. And as the psalmist says that because we know the truth, we should be in awe of our almighty God every single day. Amen. We should acknowledge him and his greatness and his goodness. Everything that we see is God's. Feel, touch, taste. So where does that put me? And where does that put you? Well, it puts you exactly where you belong. You know where your place is? Your place is to serve God. You don't create anything. No man has created anything except for God. We say, well, we've created, you know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My mom says that, said that to me a couple times. Mm-hmm. Only a couple. Because even she was like, wait, time out. Those words are, are full of pride and arrogance. And it's not true. God brought me into this world and he can take me out. And only he can take me out. Where does that put us in the grand scheme of things? It puts us in the right spot. In the the spot where we should be. In an overwhelming sense of humility. When we acknowledge the, the awe and the magnificence of God... That shrinks our importance in the world. And that's exactly where we ought to be. We are not important. You are not important. I am not important. We are simply creations of God put on His earth to observe His universe to do His bidding. When you think of the magnificence of God, it lowers your own magnificence and puts it where it ought to be. You are only a collection of the wisdom and magnificence of God. Amen. Thomas Garner, brother of Garner III, is a sharp kid. He has many talents, as does Allison, as does Elizabeth. Now, I could sit here and say... I had a lot to do with that. 23 chromosomes from me, 23 chromosomes from Heather. Together we have created three magnificent children. And I just said created, didn't I? Mm -hmm. I could also say that they are three awesome kids because I raised them. Right. Right? They're beautiful because of my wife's Magnificent looks. I can't say okay looks. I got in trouble with this morning. But her beautiful looks. Right? I can say all of these things. I can take all of the credit. But what am I doing by taking credit? I'm taking away from the awesomeness of God by doing so. And the psalmist tells us that those who acknowledge the, the magnificence of God, the things that he is able to do with his pinky finger, all of the credit should go to him. These kids are who they are yes. because of God. 
Period. End of story. I mean, I even the role that I play in their lives, God gave me the ability to play that role. Yes. That's how magnificent God is. Mm -hmm. Because he is in the smallest of details. The smallest of details. The smallest of details. Mm -hmm. And he is in the greatest, largest of things. Yeah. And that's, that's special. That's a beautiful thing that we serve an Almighty Father who is all of those things and so much more than we can even imagine. So if you're here this morning and you have forgotten who God is and where He is and what He does and what He's about, hopefully these words have, uh, will stick with you as you go into this upcoming week. Um, as you look out, well, you can't see the stars because of the smoke. Okay. But look at the ground. Um, look, at, look at viruses under a microscope. Look at the intricacies. I was watching a movie, um, Ant-Man. And Ant-Man, if, if you guys know about Ant-Man, right? He can put on this suit and he can come the size of an ant. Except when he gets smaller, his strength grows, right? Because he has the, the multiplying strength and power of an ant. Okay, I, I don't get it, but let's just go along with it, right? So in this particular movie, right, he can shrink himself down to, the, to, this, uh, to this universe of small stuff. And there's one, one scene in the movie where it has these uh, unicellular organisms like just floating around. They're just kind of in this uh, protozoa or what? Whatever. Protozoa, right? And, and they're just floating around. And I say that to say this. That there is a complex world at a level that we can't see. Mm-hmm. The complexities of our lives are, it's kind of like looking at a mirror through a mirror. You know, I don't know if you've done that, right? You see the reflections going all the way back to eternity, right? And every mirror has a reflection of a, a, an exact replica of, of itself, perpetuated, you know, infinitely down there. Well, the complexities of our lives are the same complexities of the lives of unicellular organisms, God is in every single layer. And I, and I, and I know I'm re reiterating the fact that I've already mentioned, but it just amazes me yes. that there is a thing. I want to say a thing because that, that doesn't give God is just who. There is a almighty being that is everywhere. And we can call him our father. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We can call him father. Mm -hmm. Because 
we have obeyed the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. That's totally cool. That is, that is awesome of awesome. And so that's one thing we need to just be reminded of. One thing we need to keep, keep in a perspective as we go into this upcoming week about who God is, where he is, and how he operates and, and all of those things. Uh, secondarily to that, um, we, we need to share that awesomeness that we know of God with others. Because others should want to call the Almighty God their Father as well. Just as we are blessed to call God the Father, we should give that information to others so they can have that same wonderful feeling as well. That information is they need to hear the gospel of Christ. They need to believe it. They need to repent of their transgressions. Um, commit themselves to righteous living for the Almighty. Um, <clears throat> confess Him before mankind as it says, and be baptized for the remission of sins and live faithfully until death. Because there is another place that God is creating that is infinite, that is even more magnificent than anything that is created on this side of life. Words can't describe it. The Revelations has tried to, but that didn't even do it as just to. But if we live faithfully until death, we'll be able to see it. So, Heather's giving me the sign. Um, so with that, if you have the urgency to do so, please come forward as we stand and sing song. God is calling you by